Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and I've got Ephesians chapter 2 open, verse 10. It says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And my guest, uh, Jeanette Rupert, and her husband, Marcus, are in studio with us today for an extended version of the Monday Afternoon Mix with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. So we've got a little version of church going on here in the studio today. It's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when uh, Jeanette talked about her life feeling random, I, I identified with that. I thought, hmm, you know, you, you've a lot of things you know how to do well, Jeanette, and you start to think, well, this is random. How is this connected to this? And I do this, and I do this, and I do this. How are they connected? And God's got a plan. Yes, he He's does. got a plan. <laughs> <laughs> and when we were talking about when the George Floyd um, murder happened in that part of Minneapolis, the tent a tent went up to try to meet the physical medical needs of people who may not be getting their needs met. And Absolutely. and you jumped in and started instantly helping. And I'm thinking after a 12-hour shift, where do you find the energy? Uh, but you do because you're doing God's work. And then you found out that there were some people that couldn't even get to the tent. So you went to them. Yes. Yes. Come on. That's nuts. Right, David? That is. Yes. And during COVID too, it's that scary. And so um, I was, my hospital was so amazing. They donated PPE. They were just, they were just instrumental in making sure that, uh, that, you know, they saw a need, they jumped in and my nurses union stepped in and so many people stepped in and volunteered. So I was, I was able to do what I did well equipped. So I just wanted Mm -hmm. to put that out there. I wasn't being foolish in any way. So being a professional in that and also having a public health nursing degree, I'm like, where, where does that fit in my life? You know, I work in a hospital and I didn't know that it'd be shifting gears in the blink of an eye to Mm. all of a sudden be facilitated as a public health nurse. But yes, we would get text messages and calls about different ones that would have needs and so many you know, media people were out there and they wanted to interview you and they'd see what you're doing. And I, I, I turned them down every single time, turned them down. Because for me, it wasn't about me at all. It was about meeting a need and it was about the people and it was about going where God was calling me. I didn't want to be distracted by anyone wanting to, to stop and talk. I wanted to get to the people. And so I had a nursing student with me one time and we were walking around and I was talking about just some of the healthcare disparities in some of these communities and the statistics don't lie. Black mothers are number one for infant mortality. It's no secret that, you know, black women are five times more likely to die in childbirth than their counterparts. These statistics are out there and there's just so many other healthcare disparities that are out there among um, black indigenous and people of color. And so just being able to talk through these things with nursing students who you know, tell them you're the future. So you get an opportunity no matter where you work to be able to help, you know, be a part of change and, and closing these gaps and bridging these gaps. And as we're talking, 
uh, there's a gentleman that was waving, kind of waving, and I kind of waved high, but that wave looked a little, you know, a little interesting. And I said, you know, let's kind of walk over to him. And then as I approach him, he started to collapse over his car. Oh, my goodness. So I ran over to him and I just, we just literally happened to be right where we needed to be because we could have been two blocks over somewhere else, but we were right there and was able to, you know, hone in and check in on him. And I sat him down. I didn't know what was going on, Um, but we took his blood pressure. It was extremely low. And this is a big gentleman. He shouldn't have a blood pressure lower than mine. I'm a, I'm a small person. (laughs) So, um, Five one is and a quarter is all the good Lord gave me. <laughs> Rupalicious is not. He's six five and every bit of it tall, dark and handsome. So. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So when I see this guy that you know this gentleman uh, go down, nursing student and I were right there to kind of help facilitate and uh, meet his needs. And as we uh, brought him to his, he was right in front of his home and started to dig a little deeper. The you know, Holy Spirit is like you know it could be a million things, but trusting God. In so many uncertain situations is so key. Because guess what? People say, oh, faith and science don't mix. Guess God created science. God didn't. He created us, our, our bodies. So when I can say, God, you show me what I need to be focused in and you show me what's wrong. You show me what to do. And sure enough, the Lord just was able to help me navigate uh, what needed to be navigated and uh, was able to find out that his um, blood pressure medications were um, he just didn't understand the instructions. Mm-hmm. And so it was taking too much. Um, mm. And just some of those health disparities, he was labeled as non-compliant to medical adherence. That's what he was labeled. But it wasn't that at all. He wasn't right. not following instructions. He didn't understand the instructions. So there's somebody right there to say, can you tell me how much of this you're supposed to be taking? And he's like, well, one in the morning and two at night. I said, oh, well, actually it's one half. You're supposed to take one half daily, just once a day, not one in the morning, two Ooh. at night. And so to be able to wow. walk people through that and, and kind of you know combat some of these labels and be able to help this person whose blood pressure was really low of taking too much. And, mm-hmm. But I was able to get him the help that he needed and get him to his primary care physician. Yeah. Now, Jeanette, some people just climbed in their car, so they don't know exactly because uh, we're, we're keeping this going from the previous half hour. So you are a nurse um, and you are a minister of the gospel because you... you love the Lord and you want to share the love of Christ. And what remind our listeners what the award was you received. I received recently when I met uh, Pastor Miles as a hometown hero. Hometown uh, hero. It was at the Viking, Minnesota Vikings game. Vikings been playing yeah. the very team that won the Super Bowl. Do you remember? We were yes, playing the Rams. and we were so, playing the Rams. So I, I was, it was a little like, you know, I watched the game just for the first quarter before I went to the hospital last night. I was just like, yeah, we were, we were right there on that, yep. that field and saw them in person. So. Yeah. They need to rub off on us a little bit more. <laughs> they do. They do. They just hit us. A rupalicious. <laughs> Maybe you need to sign a contract. My husband, <laughs> my husband played football. <laughs> yeah. All right, David, I know you've got a question. Oh, you know, um, I I find what's fascinating, you know, Jeanette, I think you were saying earlier when it first like happened, you're like, you know, Lord, like, what are you doing? Like, you know, how do, how do I take these random things? And there was even moments of, like, apprehension. But it's it's been pretty amazing. And you can expound a little bit more on this, too, just um, how God has opened up doors for you through this. So what are some interesting ways that God has opened up doors for you besides the medical and, and maybe with what's been going on with some of the court cases, some of the relationships with, with police as an African-American woman and 
pastor to them. So, you know, would you would you tell us how that's been happening? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's been opportunities that have kind of fallen into my lap as a licensed clergy and and uh, just navigating. I it's been almost um, it's been I'm still in awe, actually shocked at how these families who've been victims of either police brutality or stolen lives or mothers and and fathers who've lost loved ones have just come uh, come to my table and so just it's even serving and serving out in the community and then you get someone's like oh I need I want you to meet someone so or I was at the corner praying with a girlfriend of mine and there's a family member that showed up and uh, you know just grieving and wasted and and just looking for God in that moment and as my girlfriend and I they're praying and interceding for our community and we turn around and we see this young young kid and just be able to wrap your arms around them and say hey how's what what can I do for you how are you doing how are you holding up and just hug and didn't know who he was and then to find out that his brother was murdered the night before and those um those situations so as I've been able to navigate with these families and meet these families organically, uh, divine appointment, I call it. The Lord puts me in places. Uh, I've made connections. Uh, I've gone to court with these families and going to court with these families. Uh, it's, I think it's so important to have the presence of the Lord there. We know that as believers. But when it's being recognized by even the attorney general had uh, yeah. approached me and said, you know, we need black pastors in the courtroom. I need you there. I was so um, blessed and just honored that 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 recognition of of the Lord's presence in hard, grievous, you know, tenuous situations. And Jeanette, and, what makes that interesting? I mean, the Attorney General yeah, asked yeah. you and said we needed your presence as as a a Christian minister Absolutely. in the courtroom. Like, why would that have a particularly unusual yeah, twist to it. It does because the attorney general is not of the Christian faith and um, and he is Muslim. And so for someone of, of a different faith background to recognize that in you and that presence that's needed, I was, you know, you can't doubt God and to work however he works. You just say, yes, Lord, here I am. I'll be the salt. I'll be the whatever you've asked me to be in this moment because we know that without his presence, without his presence, we are nothing. And these situations that you're going through, whatever it is that you're going through, take a moment and say, God, I just I just need a touch from you. I need your presence. God shows up. He shows up. Always you know, does. Jeanette, one of the things that you've kind of sprinkled in a little bit, and one of the things, you know, would love to know and, and, and have you speak to us, even just as encouragement, is you've mentioned the ways that your dad, Teddy Austin, mm-hmm. spoke to you, your mom, your sister coming and getting you and saying, Jeanette, come to this. And, you know, there, there are people who are like, man, like, what part can I, what can I play? Or even maybe they say, you know, like, I'm the first believer in my family, mm-hmm. you know. So speak a little bit to how, how family has shaped this. And even doing ministry with family has shaped you to where you're sitting here today with us. Absolutely. My mom is Dr. Judy Austin, and my dad is pastor. Uh, my mom, uh, my parents pastored throughout the Twin Cities. My dad pastor Ted Austin, and they raised uh, an amazing family, me and my siblings. We all 
were raised in a Christian home. I started out going to Powderhorn Christian School, King's, turned into King's Christian Academy, Southwest Christian High School was the very first uh, students that uh, graduate graduating class. We graduated all four years. Um, it was a, wasn't a school. It wasn't even in existence. And the, my dad said, you know, Jeanette, we're going to this school. I'm like, doesn't even exist. <laughs> He's like, you know what? The Lord called this Christian school to be in existence. And I, I want you to be a pioneer. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to wear a bonnet. You know, that's my <laughs> teenage brain was saying. Like, And my dad's like, no, no, I, you know, I really believe God is doing something here. And to go, it would just start freshman, sophomore was all. I was a freshman that year, brand new school. Uh, as far as we, I mean, we didn't have a building, right? We were, I remember that, we yeah. were in like rant churches and, you know, I didn't have a lock, I had cubbies, you know, but to, but to be able to be a part of a school and to shape the foundation of that school, to choose the school verse, to choose the mascot, to be a part of the student council um, and to bring a diversity even to a school, we drove far to get there. And so growing up, my parents taught us, you know, taught us about the importance of having a Christ-centered life. And have God use you and go where he calls you to go. And so in those experiences, I've learned um, how to let God shape and create something out of nothing, right? So here it is, however many decades later, working now with a nonprofit that's turning into something. I'm like, I remember the beginning and ground, <laughs> grounds of laying yeah. foundations. Yeah. All right, we'll take a little break. We'll come back. We'll continue our amazing discussion with uh, Jeanette Rupert. And we'll continue the Monday afternoon mix in just a, just a minute. extended version. Pastor David Miles, Rosie B. We're so glad to be hosting Jeanette Rupert. We're hearing an amazing story of what God's doing. And before we uh, went to break, I think you had mentioned about God doing what he, whatever he pleases. And I think that's right out of Psalm 115. Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that we take the gifts that God has given us. And, you know, Jeanette, you're talking about all the randomness uh, that you have in your life, which I think is incredibly uh, purposeful, as you know, as you would agree to, and that God is using that in significant ways. And I think it's fantastic. You know what I love about your story, Jeanette, and what I keep on hearing is I love that you um, received the award and I can just see in your eyes that the the reward means nothing Mm -mm. if it's not, if it wasn't an obedience to God. And what I think I just hear um, is that when no matter what you're doing, when you are obedient to God, he opens up doors for you and grows it into things sometimes that are fantabulous, right? That are just beyond your imagination. And sometimes he has us walk through a door just for that moment, for that person to connect, you know, my David, like you said, mm-hmm. at your locker for the benefit of what's to come that we can't even see, right? That's and it. it's your That's obedience, it. I think, that I'm just really taken with right now and want everybody listening to What is God asking you to do? It might be something small. It might be a gas card for a neighbor. It might be a prayer tent on their corner, Mm -hmm. but just be obedient to it and let God take it from there. That's it. You never, you never know um, how your actions can impact and change someone's life, even the smallest things. Mm -hmm. And it's not, 
you know, you don't have to reach that far. You know, we're parents. Marcus and I are parents. We have four children, a son in college, and we have a, a three teenage daughters that we love so much. And even as a parent, you see the giftings in in your children. It's so interesting watching them when they were little. So if you have parent, if you're a parent of small children and you notice these things, sometimes you know you might, oh, they'll grow out of it. Actually, a lot of that is what's in them. You know, mm-hmm. God's God's given them these giftings, and mm-hmm. He's going to shape and form that to whatever He so chooses. And so, you know, uh, as parents, just molding that and investing in our children, as my parents invested in each and every one of us. I remember I had one sibling who was like, what can I do? You know, the Minneapolis is an unrest. Jeanette's a nurse. You know, this sister's an activist. This sister's an accountant. You know, what can I do? And my mom said, but you you play the horn. You're a trumpet player. And you use your gift to the best of your ability, whatever God's called you to do. Your gift is you. And that's all that God asked for is just us. Just that open vessel, my brother got out there in that corner and began to blow his trumpet and minister to the people, minister to the people. And so you never know, you know, how God is using you to navigate. And and, and so your gifts, your children, when you see those things and then pour into them, affirm those gifts, mm-hmm. affirm those gifts, affirm those, affirm your children, affirm them. You know, and sometimes even when, when children have, you know, maybe a gift that seems difficult. I love uh, Jim and Lynn Jackson, um, who are with the ministry Connecting Families. And years ago, we were at a conference uh, for the Free Church, and they were speaking. And Lynn said this, I had a situation with my son, and the Lord reminded me it was a gift gone awry. Come on now. Mm-hmm. It said, you know, that you act that, that kind of strongness to him. It was just a riot this moment, but there was a moment where you want the strength of that child. Yes. Mm-hmm. That when the king says to those three Hebrew boys, bow, mm-hmm. that they say no. And in that moment, that thing that seems like a gift gone awry right now is that thing that God's cultivating and he's wanting to just grow in you. This gifting part, we have to remember, because we, we know the verses, uh, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. And we love that passage. We love the richness of God's grace and his gift. And then it says, for, for is a purpose clause, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. So part of his great gift of grace and even saving us is that we're his workmanship. And and Jeanette, has this has this journey that you've been on uh, in this, these last years, just been incredible. It's uh, honestly, I would have never guessed in a million years that I'd be put in these types of positions to, you know, talk to people. I had a, a I was speaking at a elementary school, and this week for Black History Month, they asked me to be their guest speaker, and I'm like, me, like, how do you, do you know I exist? You know, I'm from, you know, just a small little nurse in South Minneapolis <laughs> and they're like no we would love for you to come and speak you know to the kids of course that is more, worth more than any award or awards I just that's my heart right there so one of the kids asked me a question they said so what do you what do you have to do to become a, a public speaker did you always know you wanted to be a public speaker <laughs> I'm not I'm, I, I can tell you right now I'm not a public speaker you know I'm, I'm just here using my gifts and uh and your gifts, God has given you. What people make, 
even seem those even those things that may seem like disabilities or negative in the public's eye. Mm-hmm. I told the kids, I said, I graduated summa cum laude, like the top of the top of the top of the top of the class, and I have a disability. I actually told them I had a secret, and I told it for the end, and they're like, what's your secret? I have what people would call a disability, and they were like, what, you? A disability? You don't look like you have, oh, yes, I do. I have a disability. But don't let someone tell you that you can't. Don't let someone tell you what you're supposed to do in the mold that you're supposed to fit into because God created me. He didn't make any mistakes. Mm -hmm. So it was about me saying, okay, God, this is how I am created. This is how you made me. Show me, Lord. And the Lord began to show me what man saw as my disability. God showed me was my superpower. And he said, I called you to do the things that I've called you to do that no man can do because these are the gifts I put in you. So lean into that superpower those gifts that God gave you so that you can do what he called you to do. Amen. And you might be driving right now in your car and you're wondering like, man, who's this person that Jeanette is talking about? Like, who is, who is this Jesus and, and how he uses her gifts and ability. Now, listen, guys, I want to tell you to our, to our listening family. When, when I first connected with Jeanette, she was like full stop. She's like, I do this for the Lord. And, and I don't need the recognition. And could even see that when they were trying to give her recognition on the field, she was pointing upward and saying, no, it, it's him. And so even as we talked about this, and she's like, Pastor David, and I said, but there are people sitting there thinking, I'm random. What do I have to offer? How could you use my life, Lord? What are the places that you want to put us in? And I said, Jeanette, there are people who, who need to know that the Lord is saying, yeah, Yes, you, you right now driving in that Camry or in that minivan thinking I'm just a fill in the blank. No, God wants to use your life and he will stick you in some of the most crazy places. I mean, like Jeanette, Mm -hmm. you talked about healthcare disparity. I have some, some friends that I've become friends with that work with a group that's actually wanting to end health disparities. Mm -hmm. A gal named Jennifer and Kathy with Stratus Mm -hmm. Health and the weird thing of a pastor in that type of setting, mm-hmm. but God likes to do the unusual and the strange to bring glory to his name. Amen. 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 That's a powerful story. Thank you so much for telling it. Amen. Thank yeah. you. Thank I, you. I, Thank I love you. the gifts that God has given you. And, I, you know, I love that you pray and, and then God answers. I mean, I, I said to God once, I, I don't, I don't know, speak too good. And he said, don't worry, I'll give you a radio show. <laughs> wow. So, you know, wow. yeah. So, yeah. So. God has a sense of humor, yes, he does. too. He, he does. does. He, he yeah. does. Bill Valerth's like, I'm going to let you practice. I'm going to work with you <laughs> right. and give you Holy Spirit. Yeah, such a delight to meet you. Thank you very much for being here. And um, great to be, meet you. Rupert. Delicious. Yeah, Rupert. Yes, Marcus yeah. Rupert. All right. We'll take a little break, but when we come back, uh, Tony Scott, who wrote a lovely book with his wife, Shirley, uh, called One Plus One Equals One, Mm. The World's Greatest Love Relationship Equation. That's all next. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. 
What's for dinner? It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. All right, it makes perfect sense to me to interview someone who has counseled over 10,000 couples on relationships, and that person is Tony Scott. He's uh, written a book called One Plus One Equals One, and it's the law of oneness I can't wait to learn about. Tony has been a pastor for over 47 years as the lead pastor of a church, and he is also uh, a host of radio and TV. He's been doing that for over 30 years, a consummate pro. Tony, welcome. Thank you so much for having me on the program today. Yeah. Let's just jump into the oneness principle. What is it? Well, we go all the way back to the book of Genesis where I like to live. I like to live in the first three chapters of Genesis. I kind of feel like God had in mind that he would write uh, those first three chapters and we live by the rest of our lives. Of course, that didn't happen. Hmm. But you look there, you find uh, the most foundational law in the universe and that's the law of oneness, when, when God brought a man and a woman together and, and, and said the two shall become one flesh. But preceding that, before there was anything, there was oneness in the God. There is one God eternally existing in three manifestations of his presence. Over in the New Testament, Jesus picks up on the same thing and talks about this oneness principle. And so since it permeates the universe and since it comes directly from the Godhead, I think it's very important for us to realize that it actually permeates every people group on the face of the earth and every kind of relationship. So if it's a marriage, if it's a family, if it's a sports team, if it's a Fortune 500 company, uh, if it's a, a government, whatever it is, where you have a gathering of a small group, medium group, large group of people, the very best productivity and the highest productivity of that group is if they all come into oneness. Mm. Interesting. Okay, so then uh, let's talk about the title of your book, One Plus One Equals One. Why did your book get that name? Well, because my wife, Shirley, went to heaven on August the 18th, 4 or 5 a.m. in the morning on Tuesday and 2020. And she'd been wondering and I to write a book about our life, our marriage. We had a very unique marriage. Uh, I met her when she was 15 years of age. Uh, she was uh, standing in front of a concession stand at a youth camp that I was walking down towards the, the stand just to see what was going on that day at the youth camp. And I saw her. And um, something really incredible took place that day. And I, I thought, I can't live the rest of my life without her. And so I dated her for three years, waited till she graduated, and we got married. And we decided we didn't want an ordinary marriage. We wanted an extraordinary marriage. We really wanted to milk it for all it was worth. We wanted the kind of relationship that would be mutually beneficial. Uh, we wanted to prefer one another. I wanted to make her life the best it could be. I treated her like a queen. She treated me like a king. She taught me how to love her, and I taught her how to love me. And we learned about the law of oneness, and it, it transformed our life, it transformed our family, and it transformed our church. Thank you for that answer, Tony. I'm so sorry about your loss. How many years were you married? We were married for 55 years, and oh, I wow. dated three years. So 58 years uh, we were together. Mm-hmm. Looking back on your marriage, what would you say, because you, you, you named some wonderful things, well, what would you consider maybe the most single important ingredient in a in a great marriage? One plus one equals one. Okay. It's not good math. 
but it is the only kind of relationship to have. It is exactly the principle that God gave us in the beginning. It's the one that Jesus talked about in John chapter 17. It's the one that works in in, um, um, sports teams. One of the things that any coach relishes and wants more than he wants anything else, more than he wants talent, more than he wants ability, he wants his players to adopt his vision and become one with each other and have one vision for that team and operate as a unit. Mm. And if he gets that and accomplish that, he's going to win games, he's going to win a championship, and they're going to be very thrilled with what happens. Mm-hmm. Tony, when you think of relationships, I know you've counseled over 10,000 couples, maybe you could talk about the the keys to uh, rejecting a mediocre marriage relationship? Well, I think one of the great tragedies of life is that we, in essence, come to the place of marriage, as far as I can tell, because two people love each other and want to be a part of each other's lives. And, and so they get married. And then conflict arises because men are different than women. Women are different than men. We're plumbed differently. We're wired differently. We process things differently. And it's quite amazing that, you know, you can put two people together like that who are so different in so many ways and then expect there to be a oneness. And and the thing I found, and this is the number one principle as far as I can tell, if, if, you, if you're going to have a great relationship, I don't care if it's a marriage or what it is, if you're going to have a great relationship, you better get rid of selfishness. You better be totally unselfish. You better prefer the other person. And I mean, when I say prefer them in all ways, I tell married couples, and I've taught this principle for more than 30 years, I tell them all the time, whether or not your spouse is loving you like you think they should, you must love them like they need to be loved, and you must give them what they need. So I use a little formula. I have couples do this. I've had couples do this all over the world. It's an amazing, simple little formula. I say to the man and to the woman, I want you to sit down, take a little piece of paper, and prioritize what you think your spouse needs from you. And I have each of them do that privately. Don't let the other person see what you're putting down. Bring them to the next session to me. I will look at them, read them. I will swap them out. I'll give his to you. I'll give hers to you. And then I want you to correct it. And in all these years, thousands of couples, I've never had one couple get it right. <laughs> wow. Because they don't know each other. Because they, they believe that because they're married, they know each other. Ooh. That's pretty revealing, Tony. Really, no, it's the truth. It's just, just the absolute truth. I, I've actually stopped in, in, in the middle of sessions at times and said, could I just take a moment and introduce you guys? Wow. Could I tell you? something here you your depth is so shallow that it's pathetic you don't really even know what she needs you don't really know what he needs how in the world can you have a relationship so is that in part the difference between a covenant marriage and just being married the only kind of marriage that God ever created and by the way he's the creator of marriage and he himself determined what marriage is a marriage is between a man and a woman. He plumbed them for that. He wired them for that. And when God created each of those people uh, to come into what we would call a covenant marriage, 
there was no contract there. There was there was not the agreements that we think of in life. We we think of fleshly, carnal, natural kinds of agreements. Covenant is so deep that the word covenant means to cut. It means blood. It it means to cut until there's blood. And I could get very graphic about that. I I don't know how graphic we can be on the radio, but. Uh, he'd intended for a man to marry as a virgin, a woman to marry as a virgin, and he intended for them to cut a covenant together in a sexual relationship. And that's, that word covenant is so powerful. The only way God ever dealt with mankind was through covenant. And the last covenant was the blood covenant of Jesus Christ. So good. Tony Scott is my guest. His book is called One Plus One Equals One. And we are uh, talking about the oneness uh, principle in a covenant marriage. And he has been nice enough to come on this very Valentine's Day and talk about it, which I think is lovely. And when you think of this, um, and when I look at your book, Tony, and I see at the end of each chapter, you have one-isms, which is really helpful. Like a one-ism from chapter five is love does not produce anxiety, it cures it. Love does not injure, it heals. Love does not diminish, it increases. Those are all strong uh, words that people would, uh, of course, aspire to, but not every relationship is enjoying that. Well, that's exactly right. And, and one of the reasons I think that we don't enjoy it is, you know, you see movies sometimes, the old movies especially, and, and the guy would get his girl and they'd walk off into the sunset and their backs to the camera and, and the and movie would say the end. And, and unfortunately, I think a lot of people think that there was sort of a climax or kind of an end at the altar. But actually what happened at the altar was you got an opportunity to create a marriage. And it will now take the rest of your life to figure out how best to do that. And you will do that by trial and error. A man comes into a marriage with a marriage concept in his mind because he came out of a marriage. The one between his mom and dad, it maybe came out of more than one. She came out of a marriage between her mom and dad, or maybe more than one. So you always have three marriages present in every marriage. And with those three marriages present, you have to start thinking differently. You Just because your mom and dad got along in a certain way, her mom and dad got along, that doesn't mean you and your spouse are going to get along like that. And so you have to be focused on kind of unhooking from the marriage you came out of and really coming together in a covenant marriage and learn how to be married. And it takes several years to do that. Mm. What if someone is listening right now thinking, "Uh uh-oh, I've had a lot of years under my marriage belt, and this is not the direction our relationship has gone. Um, Encourage people right now that there is lots of hope. Well, you know, there is hope. I, I personally, in, in, in all the places I've been, 10 countries, five different continents, multiplied thousands, more than 10,000 couples that I have spoken into their lives on marriage principles, counsel with them. Uh, what I have found is that there is no marriage that cannot work. I've never seen a marriage that could not work. I've seen terrible marriages. I've seen marriages that probably should end in a divorce because there was mental cruelty or there was physical abuse. And I don't think anyone should have to put up with that. Uh, I don't think anyone should have to remain in a marriage with something like that. But I've never seen a marriage that couldn't be healed. There was a survey done many, many years ago. I I will not quote the source of of the survey or or give too many details about it, but it was actually a, a great survey. 
and, and they pull thousands of marriage counselors together across the country, and they ask the simple question, how does a marriage work? What do you say will make a marriage work? And, and in the conclusion of it, they had one thing. They came into a unity, a unison, and they said, a marriage will work if a man determines that he will love his wife above all else and will show her that. And if a woman will determine that she will love her husband above all else and show him that, that's the only way a marriage will really work. And I believe that because you go back to Genesis and he said, what are we going to do? We're going to forsake father and mother. We're going to forsake everything. We're going to lay everything aside. And when I married Shirley Ann, I was focused on her. I was not focused on my mom, my dad, my brothers, my brother, my sisters. I wasn't focused on any, I wasn't focused on my job. I didn't let my job come between us. And so we learned a fivefold principle from the Bible. God first, companion second, worst, uh, children are third, worship is fourth, and job is fifth. And it's right there in the book of Genesis. Mm-hmm. Tony Scott is my guest. I'll take a little break. He is nice enough to make five copies of his book, One Plus One Equals One, available for listeners this Valentine's Day. All you have to do is text the word book to 877-933-2484 to get in on the drawing. There'll be a lot of people wanting this one, but text the word book to 877-933-2484. Again, the book is One Plus One Equals One. Tony Scott is my guest. Be right back. Scott is my guest. He's written a book called One Plus One Equals One. And if you want to get in on the drawing, like many are already, text the word book to 877-933-2484. I love this book has a warning on the back. You're going to love this. Many couples will experience an increase in passionate, intimate sexual love as they read the truths in this book. So there you go. Again, you can... Well, I have to put that on there, Bill, because it's the absolute God's truth. Oh, I bet it is. Tony, when I think of you uh, seeing Shirley for the first time, uh, you obviously were not, didn't know much about the depth of her character. You knew a lot about how she looked and how that was making you feel. Um, take us on the, on the journey of how you came to n- know that you wanted to make a covenant relationship with her and then 55 years of marriage. Well, we dated for three years, and we married as virgins. Uh, we both were Christians, and we served God uh, diligently. Her father was a pastor. Her mom and dad were pastors of a church not far away from where I lived, about 15 miles. Uh, that wasn't true in the beginning. They lived about 50 miles away, and then they he got a new assignment. And so from the very beginning, there, there was something very special about our relationship, uh, and, and I tell people that I believe God brought us together, and, and I truly believe that with all of my heart. Uh, I've later learned that if you really go towards God with your life, and I've taught this to my son and my daughter, and I'm teaching it to my four granddaughters, but if you really go after God 
marriage is something that happens out of a oneness relationship with God. You become one with God, and, and then one day you look, and on that path, on that journey with you, there is someone of the opposite sex who's going to be very appealing to you, and you're, you're going to desire to know them. And so there are four principles about this oneness that I think are critical, and the first one is severance. And when you really know that's the one, you separate from all others. Uh, there's a separation, and God said that. You'll leave father and mother. And then secondly, there's a permanence. You begin to cling to each other. I was enough for Shirley. She was enough for me. We didn't need anybody else. She and I could go just take a vacation by ourselves and just walk the beach by ourselves, eat our meals by ourselves. We were enough for each other. I didn't need anybody else. She didn't need anybody else. The third part of that is unity. You weave your lives together. Her life became important to me. I wanted her to be the best she could be. She was an excessively talented person, warm, loving, friendly, uh, charming Southern belle. Um, she had physical beauty. She had inner beauty. And we wanted to become, we wanted to weave our lives together so that we were very tightly knit. And then the fourth thing is intimacy. And I break that word down in the book, and it's in-to-me-see. So we decided that we would not have a shallow relationship. She would be my best friend. I would be her best friend, and we would never let anything or anyone be, come between us. All right. Tony, when you look at young kids today, there's a whole generation of young believers, and they're, they're learning about sex and marriage, uh, maybe not so much from church, but from popular culture. What are your thoughts about that? Well, I'll tell you my thoughts about that. If you look in the Bible, the, the way God constituted us is he constituted us spirit, soul, and body. I am spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. I just want you to think about that concept for a moment. We are spirit. I am spirit. You, you, you are a spirit. And you, you, actually, you are spirit. It's not a spirit. You are spirit. So in essence, God wanted us to become spiritually first. Then he wanted us to connect on an emotional level, a solical level, so spirit first, a relationship with God, solical level, mind, will, and emotions. And then the third part of that is to connect body to body in marriage. The world reversed that. And so the world says, no, if you're really going to marry somebody, you really want to know them, then you ought to have sex first and then develop some kind of relationship. And then the spiritual part is optional. It's never really optional. If you go the way of the world, there will always be something missing. If you go the way of God, you can have a fullness and a fulfillment about your marriage that goes beyond any definition you ever thought of. Appreciate that, Tony. When you look at what's being peddled, though, in in the culture today, and I don't want to spend much time on this, but there are a lot of um, Christians and even churches that have pushed aside some of the biblical teachings regarding marriage and family. Uh, maybe they're just not teaching it as as loudly. I'm not. I don't want to overgeneralize, but there's seems to be you know a, a greater tolerance. And let's be non-judgmental. I'm not saying that that's important to be non-judgmental, but as believers, we need to be showing discernment. Well, obviously, when something is removed from the godly principles that guide it, it becomes perverted. So just look at what has happened here. Uh, Gay marriage, transgenderism, and you can go right down the list. There is a huge perversion 
that has taken place in our culture and around the world. But let's just talk about America. And that's because we've gotten away from the truths of God's word. Let's just face it. God's, the idea of marriage was God's. It came out of the heart of God. God knows best. He said, one man for one woman for all of life. God really never approved the divorce. Man came along with the idea of divorce. So when you just stop and think about the worldly culture, they have sex of all kinds. They have perverted sex to the nth degree, and it's never enough. That's the problem with sexual perversion. It's, very, it's a very declining kind of an addiction. And you go from one degree of it to another degree, actually to a lower degree, to a lower degree. And that's a problem with pornography and other things. There's no place in a covenant marriage for pornography. There's a place for oneness in the spirit and coming together and meeting each other's needs. And the Song of Solomon is is a very wonderful book. I would challenge any couple to take a modern-day translation like the Passion Bible or the Message Bible and sit down together at night or lay down together in their bed and just read through that book and, and watch what what happens to their intimate relationship. And it's powerful how God designed sex. Uh, Paul spent the whole first whole chapter seven of First Corinthians speaking of this, telling us, don't defraud each other. Have sex. Even if you for a, a period of time fast and pray, come back together. Because sex is a biblical sex is a major part of the binding process, the intimacy process of marriage. Tony Scott is my guest. His book is One Plus One Equals One. We have five copies to give out. If you'd love to get in on the drawing, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Tony, in chapter nine of your book, you say when life isn't fair and you say life's circumstances and God are not the same things. I'd love for you to say more about that. Well, I believe in what I call statistical probabilities. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world cursed by sin. In this world of sin, there is disease, there is cancer, there's heart disease, uh, there is leukemia. There's so many different kinds of things that came into our world as a result of disease. So many people are going to die of heart attacks. So many people are going to die of plane crashes, car crashes, and, and all kinds of other accidents. Those are statistical probabilities because we live in a fallen world. And so there are times... When life is not fair, my wife was the most incredible lover of God that I ever met. She's the most godly woman. Outside of my mother, I never knew anybody more godly than her. She loved God. She loved me. She loved our children. She loved the church. She loved the kingdom of God. She loved helping people. It wouldn't make any difference to her if somebody walked in the door with matted hair, drug addict. She'd take them right in the auditorium, love on them, pray for them. Or if someone pulled up in a limousine and got out. And, and she'd do the same thing. She made no difference in them. And, and so when I look at her life, and I even said this to God, Bill, take me. I, I mean, the world can make it without me for sure. I, the world needs her. And, and, and so, <laughs> so sweet. Just not, you know, and, and, and when you look at those things, you've got to be careful that you don't charge God foolishly. And I have not done that. I, I've, not, I, I've not been angry with God. I've been angry that she died. I've been angry that she went to heaven before me. Maybe I've been a little selfish about that. But I would have given my life a hundred times over if God had let her live. Mm-hmm. 
And that's clear in the way you speak about her, Tony, and I can tell how much you love her and what a beautiful 55-year marriage you had. And I'm sure that you think about her every day, many times a day. There's never a day goes by that I don't cry Yeah. since the day that she left. Wow. So, every day yeah. I'll cry. And no. I still have my wedding band on. Yeah. So, Tony, I know it's Valentine's Day and there's many people in your situation. Can you speak some some love to people who are suffering in the same way? We only have a minute left. Well, here's what I would say to them. Grief is consuming. And if you live in your grief, you come under siege from that grief and you'll wall up and you'll kind of live behind that wall and you'll, cheat your, you're, you'll actually cheat yourself out of life. And what I would advise anyone to do who's been through this is throw yourself upon the mercy of God and remember this. And a good friend of mine told me this when his daughter passed away from the plane crash at 18 years of age. 20 years later, he was still dealing with it. This is what he said. He said, God spoke to him and said to him, Walter, this is not between you and I. This is between your daughter and I. And I know that. It's not between God and I now. This was between God and Shirley Ann. And I would just encourage people today to listen to what Paul said. Mm. We do not grieve as those who have no hope. We grieve with hope. Tony, thank you so much. It's been a delight talking to you. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate it very much. I I hope people will go to the Amazon site and pick up the book. Yeah, I hope they do too. Thank you so much. And that wraps up our show for the day. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.